0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Matt Report, I'm your host Matt and I interview folks who make a living using WordPress, whether they're designers, developers, entrepreneurs, bloggers, marketers. Uh, And If you want to stay in the loop, I recommend you go to mattreport.com slash subscribe and I'll just send you awesome emails when I get these new awesome interviews out. Speaking of awesome interviews, Eric Hitter, now an automatician, that's correct. Um, He's going to join us today to tell his story about how he went from freelancing to working at a firm to now uh, working at the supreme job that we all dream of uh, at Automatic. So, Eric, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Uh, Eric, give us a two-minute warning elevator pitch. What do you do now uh, on a daily basis with uh, Automatic?
1: So since joining Automatic, I'm now working on Team Custom. And we work with the uh, Themes Group to help build a lot of the tools around customizing sites. So we start off the Themes Group, does a great job with some really awesome themes and are constantly adding more. And then we're building tools like our custom design tool, the custom CSS upgrade, custom fonts and things like that to let people take their theme and add an additional bit of customization to it to really make it their own, uh, put their own sort of mark on, the, uh, on their site, whatever they're using it for, their blog, their business site, what have you. So we've uh, started with that and are now pushing a lot of those things into Jetpack for self-hosted people to benefit from as well.
0: Nice. Uh, just so the audience knows, are you working directly with theme developers or are you working with the end user who's hosting on .com?
1: So mostly working with uh, our the theme developers that we have in-house at Automatic. So uh, they work with end developers at uh, different companies building out the themes, getting them ready for WordPress.com. Um, so my involvement comes in there usually when we're building out a new feature and there are changes that a theme needs. Uh, we'll work with the theme group to go ahead and uh, get those annotations set for something like Infinite Scroll, where we needed information about each theme. We worked with them to create an API and walk them through that process. Uh, but not working too much with the theme users at the uh, at sort of the creative side of things. It's mostly once it's been implemented on WordPress.com or as that's being worked on, that's where uh, my team tends to get involved. Nice.
0: How many themes uh, are you guys responsible for uh, in that group?
1: we've now got just over 200 themes running on wordpress.com wow so it's a lot to keep track of and they're from a lot of different locations which is uh, fun we've got stuff that we've done in-house at automatic but a lot of them are themes from big companies like studio press and woo themes and graph paper press and companies like that who Uh, just do really good work, have uh, got some great designs out there that we wanted to make available to our users. So the theme team has a whole process that they go through to try and uh, find out what the next themes will be. And they're pretty constantly working on new themes to add and themes that we can retire as they become a bit dated. So they uh, do a pretty good job of keeping it up to date and looking pretty fresh, which is nice for users who come back pretty regularly to the theme pickers and our theme showcase. They don't want to see the same static sort of stuff, so we're, the theme group is doing a pretty good job of keeping those rotating in.
0: Um, how does that work? So if if a theme, you know, is time to go out to greener pastures, if you will. Uh, do you give the original author uh, you know a, a, a notice that says look if you haven't updated this theme in a while i think we're going to we're going to kind of move it out what what's the what's the back and forth with that
1: so i don't know if we actually notified the theme author when we take them down uh, but what we basically do is just look at whoever the last user or the last blog registered And uh, grab that blog ID, and anyone who registers after that point won't see the theme. But what's nice about it is that if you are using that theme, it will be available to you in the future in almost every case. We don't ever really take anything completely out. We'll stop supporting it. We'll hide it for new users. But if you've had a site on WordPress.com since 2007 and you have this really uh, theme that you're really happy with that's been there for a, a while, you still have access to that. You can switch away and come back to it, and it won't disappear uh, in any sort of magical way, but we just won't make it available to new users. Uh, uh,
0: so somebody som- who logs in one day won't just find the white screen of death or just a blank template uh right. <laughs> onto their site.
1: Yeah, those are the things we want to avoid because that doesn't make anyone happy. Uh, nice. And sometimes we will retire one in favor of a more updated version. So there can be opportunities where we would work with the original theme author to either refresh or introduce a new theme. And sometimes it's just something that maybe we created in-house or someone who's now on the theme team created before they worked for us. And it's just uh, it's a dated look or it's got some issues that it doesn't have enough usage to warrant correcting, things like that. A lot of different factors go into it. But we're trying ultimately to keep the the list of themes that we have looking pretty fresh and rotating through. And keeping it to a manageable size. Because we could just keep adding more and more themes, but we're not adding staff to the theme group as quickly as we would need to to be able to maintain 1,000 themes. We've got 200 now. That keeps us pretty busy. So,
0: How many <laughs> of you are on the team? Uh,
1: the theme team, I think, together, uh, the, the people who just deal with the themes and the team custom were about 15 people, I think. Um, and about, I guess, eight of them... If we're 15, eight or nine are on the theme team, and then uh, there are six of us on Team Custom.
0: Nice. Um, One of my last last interviews was John Saddington of the Standard Theme. Okay. And he's been around for a while. Is there a different, uh, you know, he's had his theme around for a while on .com. Are the themes that you are managing and taking care of, are those the free themes or are those the premium themes as well that people are purchasing through .com?
1: Uh, so, a bit of both um, again i 'm more on the systems and tools sort of side, but we have people who uh, on the theme team that just deal mostly with the premium themes there are two people in particular but then uh, anyone on the on the team can really get involved if there's a a premium theme that they 're particularly interested in uh, then they can jump in i don 't think there's a lot of really solid uh Separation or division within the the team because it is so small. So, gotcha. By and large, there's a couple of support people, but it can uh, can be more than that. Gotcha. Um,
0: so for the entrepreneur, the th- Young WordPress designer, is there a way that they can get their themes on dot com? Is there a process? Um, a so format? there
1: is a suggestion process, but what's really the overriding factor is having themes out there that uh, are in the plugin repository, so that in the theme repository rather. that's tends to be a big thing and a big place that we'll pull from. Uh, because there are standards that are applied to be able to get a theme in there. So it has to have certain features, it have to, has to have a widget area, has to be properly using WordPress uh, actions and filters and things like that. And a lot of times it's just a matter of looking through at uh, themes that are in there that are visually appealing or do something unique that we don't have a lot of already. Um, and then we do have a site, which I can try and find, where people can suggest Things, but I can't. Uh, I just have to remember what the address for it is. <laughs>
0: yeah, sure.
1: Um, but we do have a place that people can suggest uh, themes and things that we should be adding. Um, I'll see if I can find that, and if not, I'll uh, grab that after we're done. Sure. Um, is there a comment?
0: You know, when you're reviewing these themes, and especially the new ones that are are, are, are uh, for lack of a better word, applying to beyond.com dot <laughs> com. What, is there a common thread that's missing um, or something that you have to address a lot of for the young designer or the new designer um, that you can recommend that you, you should be doing this because we f- fix this all the time or we have to tell folks all the time to to add XYZ. Is there a common thread that people should pay attention to?
1: Hmm, it's uh, a good question. It's something that I don't really know offhand. Okay. hand. Uh, Not at least in sort of the the automatic context because I'm a bit separated from that. But common things that as a plugin author and just having done this before uh, that I would see are things like WP Head and WP Footer not being there because those are things that a lot of plugins rely on to add additional functionality. And if one of those is missing, a lot of things just don't work properly. Uh, Using the WordPress uh, loop that exists and the the template parts and things like that are always nice and understanding how you can use that to reduce uh, duplication in your code and simplify things for you is something that people are getting better about, but being that they're relatively new, the whole templates part concept is relatively new in the WordPress uh, ecosystem. It's something that not everyone is really taking advantage of yet. Um, And that's a big part. Uh, When we're adding a feature like infinite scroll, there are template parts that we need uh, for the the system to function. And that's a place where if a theme is using template parts properly and has the right hooks in there, we can pretty easily add infinite scroll to a theme. And it's when they're doing things that are a little more custom or perhaps uh, it's a bit of an older theme, it doesn't have those, that's when there's more effort for my team to try and get a new feature in there because we've got to do clean up in the theme before we can add the feature.
0: Nice. So before getting the glorious job at Automatic, uh, take us down that path of when you first started using WordPress. Uh, Did you jump into it straight off the bat saying, I want to become a freelancer in WordPress? How did you discover WordPress? What was your beginnings in
1: WordPress? So I got started like a lot of people do with a blog on wordpress.com. I was working in a totally unrelated field and thought I would uh, amuse myself a bit by blogging about my experiences there. So started a blog on wordpress.com and uh, didn't keep up with it at all because it turns out I don't really care to write that much. Uh, so I was it got more interested in tinkering with it and ended up moving to wordpress.org, a self-hosted uh setup because I Knew some PHP already and had done some web programming uh, previously and wanted to get back to that and play with that a little bit. So set up the, st- the site, started just poking at things and r- writing a little bit of content, but mostly uh, started writing some plugins. And that got me started uh, developing. That took about two years to go from just using it as a blog uh, to a point where I was starting to do some development on it. Uh, released a couple of plugins and got started that way and then was uh, involved with the first WordCamp Boston and through that uh, got a job with an agency uh, that is based in Providence and has an office up in Boston now and was there for about two and a half years doing Starting off with some small WordPress sites and then moved to uh, working for uh, clients who are on the WordPress.com VIP platform. So big name publishers, working on sites for them. Uh, did that for a while and then uh, through a series of random coincidences, uh, met a uh, guy who's now my uh, team lead at Automatic and started on the process of getting hired there. Awesome. So it sounds easy.
0: Sounds like it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite an easy easy road when you yeah. were, when you were freelancing, I noticed you went right into um, plugin development whereas a lot of freelancers will just be you know doing your typical let me set up a small business website, charge a few hundred bucks, and then slowly scale their their pricing structure up. did you know right off the bat when you were freelancing I want to get out of this did you ever think that you just wanted to be that that typical freelancer who just made a living? trading time uh dollars for hours um
1: so i started really by accident didn't have a whole lot of a plan for what i was doing uh i started with plugin development because that was uh, where i could most easily and quickly get involved with things Mm -hmm. and it just started when i was still using it as a publishing platform there were a few things that annoyed me and i didn't find a good solution out there so i started to uh, write some plugins myself for that um and plugin development as a freelance career is more my sort of speed anyway. I'm not a designer in any really meaningful sense of the word. If you give me a design, I can work with it, but I'm not going out and creating things from whole cloth. So certainly wasn't going to be writing themes and putting those into the repository or doing any. Sort of creative design type of work for clients. So I'm definitely more of a programmer, and that was something that's easier to do if you don't have a strong design sense and aren't comfortable with that sort of thing. Plugins are a good way to go because there tends to be less design aspect of it. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. some some tweaks to things that you're adding, but WordPress makes it very easy to adopt the styles and layout that it provides. So building an admin page that looks like it belongs in WordPress is a pretty trivial thing to do. You don't have to have a really strong design sense. And that was just sort of where things fit for me. which was a big appeal to me when I moved uh, to work for an agency, was that there was someone else who could deal with the design side and I could really focus my skills on building out whatever that design was. So that was a better fit for me than uh, than the freelance thing on my own. I think if I'd stayed with the freelance uh, life for a while, I would have needed to partner up with someone who was a, had a strong design sense because that's just not really where I was... Uh, where I was going to succeed.
0: Were you uh, were you taking on clients that needed design? And if so, how were you handling it back then?
1: Um, at the time I was not. I was sort of freelancing, kind of, and wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. So I had been working in accounting and was laid off and wasn't quite sold on going back to accounting and also wasn't really totally convinced that freelance web development was what was uh, what would be my next career. So I was trying to figure things out, and because there wasn't a need to be fully self-sufficient off of this, I could just focus on plug-in stuff. Mm. Um, I did start to talk to a few designers about possibly partnering up on some projects, but nothing really serious, because it wasn't something that I had entirely taken seriously at that point. I mm. really did have a pretty strong sense I was going back into one of the things I did prior to web development and that this was just a, a temporary way to keep my sanity really more than anything else <laughs> since 2009 there were not a lot of jobs out there for financial accountants who'd specialized in nonprofit stuff so <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to, trying to keep my sanity at that point really great
0: um, a lot of freelancers look for that next step and a lot of the time, it's going into that agency, uh, design firm uh, lifestyle to to just like like you said to augment their, you know, they're a developer, not a designer. They want to be in that workflow where they get, uh, you know, the the PSDs or the mockups from the designer, then they're able to go through with some kind of structure and not have to deal with the client uh, and the end user. How was that experience for you working at an agency? Do you recommend it to that person who's looking to take the next step?
1: I I would. If you don't have a group of people you can sort of partner up with and have those different set of skills, I think the agency model really is a good place to go because for me, it really was knowing that there were people there who knew more about layout and design and would be able to fix those CSS layout issues that I couldn't quite puzzle out. It really just did work, recognizing that my skills are very much more on the PHP side of things. Knowing that was really an important step to just uh, not trying to force myself into doing work that really wouldn't have uh, been successful i'm not a designer trying to force myself to be a designer is not going to be productive so for me it was pretty clear that i needed to be in a in a situation where someone else could handle the design things and i also didn't want to deal very much with the the business development side of things no, just was not not something that I was interested in, something I could have done if I wanted to. Certainly had the accounting and business sort of background from schooling, but I don't want to be chasing clients down to get paid and all of those sort of things. I really just want to get up in the morning and write some code and fix some bugs and and that sort of thing. So yeah, is there right?
0: a, you know, when you look at it and you're able to have that business side, that numbers experience that maybe a lot of freelancers don't have, looking at it from your angle so that. the the younger freelancers can, can find the, the differences between the typical mom and pop $500 client to maybe the larger media client that you worked on. Is there a major difference to how businesses run from large to small, small to large? Um, you know, did you see the same similar pain points that you would have seen as a freelancer that you saw in the business side of things at the agency?
1: Yeah, a lot of the challenges are the same. When you get into the bigger organizations, there tend to be a lot more layers of paperwork and people to deal with and processes to go through to get set up in different systems and get to a point where they'll actually pay you and and things like that. But, but it was a lot of the same challenges. It's it disputes over billing, how long things took. You told me it was going to take this long and it took that long. And uh, a lot of the same type of meetings, sitting down, trying to get a real uh, focus and sense for what they're looking for, the back and forth of, well, that's not quite what we were looking for, let's try that again. That stuff was all pretty much the same, and it really just became, on the business side, it was uh, scale. So you're dealing with bigger numbers, which means if you're not getting paid, it's bigger amounts outstanding that you're now trying to float and things like that, Um, and just generally a lot more paperwork and bureaucracy to actually get things done um but at the at the sort of low level at the the creative level it's it's a lot of the same thing just bigger uh, bigger names on things, yeah. more recognizable brands is, in a lot of cases, what was the big difference. And just, a lot of these big companies aren't, haven't gotten it any more figured out than a lot of the small companies.
0: Yeah, yeah same, same problems, just tack on a few more zeros to the end of the invoice. Yep. Um, you know, and I, and I would imagine for the person who might think, wow, you know, I'm really chasing a client for, you know, a couple weeks to get some, to get their pages filled out with content, you know, I'm assuming a couple weeks to the small business person might be like two months Four months for the larger scale organizations.
1: Yep, it can be. They've got more levels of sign off on content, and it has to go through their branding people and legal has to look at it. It's just so, so many more layers of that. So it does tend to stretch the timeline out in a lot of cases. But it is those same sort of issues chasing clients down for the content that you need, getting the that last bit of information so that you can get the new production sites set up and and staged and ready for a launch. Very similar sort of things.
0: Yeah. And in that larger brands, was larger media brands, do you find that those folks in that industry, they're starting to recognize the power of WordPress and what WordPress is, what it really means to them?
1: Yeah, definitely. It was something that when we started doing work for the WordPress.com VIP platform, it tended to be sort of a, an ancillary thing for a, a large companies uh, publishing it was you know we're going to throw a blog up this will be a quick solution we have our main content site over here and we'll just tack this on to where clients were really moving all of their content creation over to wordpress and there are some pretty big names that have started to focus on this and some big names that are using it as a substantial portion of their web platform. So CNN is a big user. Uh, Time has started to move a lot of their stuff on to WordPress.com. Um, NBC is using it for a variety of different things in-house. And these are big companies that have a lot of different um, just a lot of different audiences, different uh, platform providers trying to solicit them to use Platform X instead of platform Y. And it was neat to see them really start to recognize the benefits that WordPress had for them, that they didn't need some many-thousand-dollar installed, hosted, closed-source thing that had all these fancy bells and whistles they would never use. We are just going to publish content. We need to upload media and write things and organize them in some way people can find it. And these are things that WordPress does a great job at. And it's something that's easy enough to build out Uh, additional features on top of. So we found that a lot of clients really liked the simplicity at the start. They can get something up and then we can come back and break it into phases and launch additional features as time goes on. So it's not something where they had to commit to absolutely every single piece of it at the beginning and wait six months for us to program this whole thing out. It was easier to work in smaller iterations because we could come back and enhance and refine things as we went.
0: Nice. Is there a competitor to WordPress in the larger space that the community should be prepared for it to go up against uh, some proprietary platform, something that's not Drupal or Joomla that is more uh, common in the open source community? But is there something in the corporate environment that they pit WordPress up against um, that some designers and developers should be prepared for uh, to kind of compete with when they get to that level?
1: I haven't seen anything in a few years that's really making a, a big play as a challenger to WordPress. There are some platforms that every once in a while I'll hear a bit about, but nothing that has the traction and the, the usage that WordPress has. Um, so I haven't really seen anything there that's, uh, that really presents a big challenge. There are more, it seems, uh, these days, more web-based things that are popping up and trying to become the next service that will supplant WordPress.com, especially so things like Square, Squarespace, and Weebly, and then Tumblr for certain things. Those are more where we're seeing some of the the more direct competition. That it, at least it seems like something we would need to worry about to me.
0: Yeah, and that's more consumer based versus yep. a larger corporate uh, ent- entity.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's more <clears throat> consumer focused. It's uh hosted for you, so it's not an open source thing in any way. You are really getting what what's available to you through what they offer. But I just haven't seen a lot of uh, a lot of really strong challengers to WordPress that are uh, taking away any of our market share or that are gaining market share in any really strong sort of way. Mm. Um, Drupal is still there on the open source side they uh aquia which is in a lot of ways the automatic of the drupal world is really trying to position themselves against wordpress in a lot of ways but that's really where i think the most noise comes from uh in terms of competitors it's just aquia getting out there and pushing drupal as being a better solution than wordpress so
0: interesting um yeah. very good the then you make the all uh all-important, glorious leap to Automatic. Um, how was that? How did you find Automatic? When did they come to you um, to join the team? And is it, is it as glorious uh, as it sounds <laughs> that we hear at, as it, as we hear at WordCamps? And, and for those people who have never been to a WordCamp and, and, and maybe interacted with an automatician, you hear these great things like distributed company all around the world, trips to France, San Francisco, uh, the Netherlands. It's like When do these guys work? And you know you're working because there's tons of stuff coming out, right? So what's it like at Automatic?
1: It really is a lot of fun. Uh, I, I love the flexibility of it in a lot of ways. That's one of the big draws for me is that I don't have to work a fixed schedule if I'm not feeling it one afternoon and I'm just really spinning my wheels and wasting time. I'll take an hour off, take 2 hours off, wander, go get some food, things like that. I don't have someone somewhere wondering, "Oh, where'd Eric go? He's not here and it's 4:30 on a on a Wednesday. Eric should be here." So that is definitely nice. Uh, a lot of the autonomy that comes along with it is also really handy. It just lets me work on things within a, a set of goals, but I don't have someone to sort of constantly down my uh, over my shoulder, "What are you working on now? What are you working on now?" So it's nice for sort of my style where there'll be a day I'll have sort of a breakthrough and I'll get one piece done. But this other thing, I just I won't figure it out today. I can move on to something else. I don't have to sit and just spin my wheels on something. So that's definitely nice. Really great people, really smart people. But sort of coming back to the beginning of your question, I had heard of Automatic a few years ago, probably during the first WordCamp Boston. Um, in the context of the WordPress foundation then because uh, Jane Wells came up and announced that at wordcamp Boston in 2010 so started to hear a bit about it and this was very early in my uh, in my freelancing career um, and then started at the agency that I was at and we were working for, with automatic on wordpress.com VIP clients so was familiar with them for a while and just yeah I sort of had the self-doubt that I was a good enough developer yet to apply, so waited a while um, and applied and didn't, uh, didn't hear anything back and just sort of let it drop and figured I'd come back to it uh, you know maybe a year from now or something because I, I was enjoying what I was doing with the agency I was at, so I wasn't in any rush or hurry to go anywhere and then last year, uh, would have been last February about uh, I was at WordCamp Phoenix. And was talking with one of the guys who I interacted with on the VIP support side and uh, happened to just sit down next to him, was having a conversation and started talking to the guy who was sitting next to him. And it turns out that it was uh, Lance Willett, who's now my team lead. So Lance and I just started talking, uh, talked for a little while, and a few months later, he uh, he reached out to me to see if I was interested in making a move, um, did my trial Went uh, went well, and I've been been with Automatic since the end of July. So, it is really in a lot of ways it's been pure dumb luck because I didn't apply for the position that I have now. I just happened to sit down in a particular spot at a WordCamp and talk to a random person. So it really reinforces the the networking aspect of a WordCamp. You never know who you're going to meet at these things. It's a great way to just get out there in the community and start to interact with more people. And who knows? Job, uh, partnership, uh, a lot of different things can come out of a WordCamp.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I definitely want to talk about WordCamps uh, before we wrap up. Um, Sort of the circle of life in uh, the WordPress business, if you will. Uh, Freelancing, you don't have anybody watching over you, uh, but then you don't have that team team aspect and there's and there's uh the responsibility of having to to earn earn your money and uh trade your time for dollars in order to make a living uh, with no one to encourage you uh to wake up every day except for yourself then the person makes the leap to agency life and they have the team uh and the business model uh to keep them going and a a steady paycheck uh in most cases um but the opposite of uh, like you said, there's no one watching you over your shoulder when you're a freelancer and there's no one watching over your shoulder uh, at Automatic, a uh, little bit less pressure. Um, do you think that there's a higher pressure in agency life for a developer designer because it's a it's more business oriented uh, for lack of a better term?
1: I think the pressures are different generally. Um, I wouldn't say that there aren't the pressures on Meet Automatic because it's mm-hmm. certainly... It's a small company. If you get in and uh, you get to a point where you're working for us full time, it's a pretty big statement about your, uh, your performance and what we're expecting of you. But what I found with agency work is that a lot of the pressures were things that were external and weren't necessarily the right pressures to have. It was artificial from the client or internal for planning purposes. We've got to get this done by such and such a date. There was more pressure to get things done, and I think in some ways with Automatic, there's more pressure to get it done in a really great way, in a really uh, smart, well-thought-out, well-reasoned, well-coded approach, that uh, with agency life, sometimes you get to a point where it just needs to be done, and it's not going to be very pretty. It's not necessarily something you'll be proud of in the long run. So there's more of a pressure to do it right uh, with automatic because in a lot of cases, there isn't any really bad, real deadline applied to something. We might set an internal goal that we'd like to launch this feature on Friday, but if it's Wednesday afternoon and we've realized uh, there's this new approach we'd like to take with this or we're rethinking how we're doing some aspect to it, that deadline is fungible, which is nice in a lot of ways that we don't have to rush to get something out that we're not happy with that doesn't really live up to our standards. So different kinds of pressures for sure. Um, starting off, there's always the pressure that you're going to be the one that breaks something in a horrific way because that most new developers, when they start, they have the ability to deploy code to all of our infrastructure. And it's one of those things the first few times is absolutely terrifying. Like I could break WordPress.com with this if I'm not careful. Um,
0: Which leads to the question, have you ever broken (laughs)
1: WordPress.com? Not since I've been at Automatic. Okay. (laughs) But when I was doing VIP development, I did nearly break it at one point. Um, Using a, a core function that uh, did not perform quite as uh, expected. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so far, so far so good. But it's something sort of inevitable. Everyone does at least once. And mm-hmm. Got good systems to recover from it. So mm-hmm. everyone tends to have a really good story about the first time they broke WordPress <laughs> Um.
0: So you found your luck at WordCamps. And I think a lot of either entrepreneurs or, you know, developers, designers, anyone who's building a business, they try to strategize as much as you possibly can. And a lot of it always comes down to that, that dumb luck. You were in the right place at the right time. Um, you made a great business contact if you're running a business or you met a good lead you know, to someone in a, in, a business, in a company that you eventually work for. Um, how important is it for folks uh, in our community to go to WordCamps, attend WordCamps? What kind of value do you see out of these camps um, that people should be taking away or should be attending uh, you know, to consume?
1: I think it's really one of the best ways to grow a business in the WordPress community and make contacts, be it business contacts, potential new employees as you're building out an agency, or potential partners if you want to go the freelance route. It really is, it's our community's conference. So you know that you go to this, you're meeting other people who are passionate about WordPress, who are connected to what's going on, will be really good business contacts. And you can go to a lot of the other web conferences, but you spend a lot of time talking about WordPress and what you do in that context. And more trying to sell WordPress to people and justify why it is that you've chosen that platform. Whereas when you're at a WordCamp, for the most part, people have already made that decision. They're already in the, the ecosystem, so to speak. And it's really just a great networking opportunity to meet other developers, uh, designers, people who are that passionate about it. And that's one thing with WordPress is that it tends to have a very passionate following and user base. And you get to meet other really passionate, talented people at WordCamps. Um, I've been to, in the last uh, year and a half, probably close to 10 or 15 WordCamps. And it's been a great experience with everyone. I've met people who I now work with at Automatic or who I was... uh, conversing with and uh, using as a resource when I was in uh, doing the agency thing still. So I really can't recommend highly enough that if there's a WordCamp coming up, uh, it's really a great idea to make an effort to go. And they tend to be very inexpensive, no more generally than about $40 for a ticket. Uh, generally, is at least one full day of programming. And in some cases, it can be uh, two or even three days. There's just so much going on and it gives you so much insight into the community what people are interested in you can start to see trends for where people are putting their their energies so mobile and that becoming a bigger thing and it's a great opportunity to learn especially if you're starting out there tend to be a lot of talks that are really geared to people who are just starting with WordPress or just starting to develop with WordPress. So it's a great opportunity to meet other people who are in a similar situation, make contacts that can be useful uh, down the line. So it's, Really, something I can't recommend enough.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. We or I participate in the Providence WordPress meetup a lot, and I, I do want to get up to, to Boston uh, much more consistently. Uh, if I for the traffic, of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, but um, and we we see that you know on a consistent basis every month. We have the WordPress meetups, um, which is different from a WordCamp for those that don't know, um, and we only have maybe a dozen or so folks that. Are actually out there attending every month. It might be a little bit higher than numbers, and we were a little concerned when we did the WordCamp Providence that we weren't just we weren't going to get a very big outcome. We really weren't expecting much, and then I think the number was two hundred and fifty or two hundred and thirty sold out. You know, just everyone came, and it was awesome. I mean, for the very first WordCamp uh, to see that kind of uh, attraction uh, to WordPress uh, in an area where we thought there weren't there wasn't going to be a very good turnout. Um, lot of beginners you know how do we as a community solve this where us as the more advanced folks we want to get in and and talk about our topics but then there's this convergence of beginners who are just starting to use this and asking you know very simple questions like how do I start a theme or how do I change the title in my blog uh, post Um, you know how do we balance the beginners versus advanced at these types of events
1: so what what we've done with the WordPress meetup in Boston that seems to work pretty well is that we'll actually try and arrange two speakers for an evening. And we, we're fortunate enough that we're in a space that generally allows us to split the group. So we'll start off with a, an opportunity for networking and we'll have some food or something. And people can get to know that new developer who's just getting started or that uh, business owner who needs a freelancer to hire, things like that. And then we can split out into groups that are a bit more, uh, more geared towards people's skills. Or if we're having a very beginner talk, we might do an expert zone or happiness bar kind of concept. Um, and do sort of go the same in the other direction where if you're, you want to get set up with a, with a blog and have questions, you know, we'll have people available to answer questions. Um, so, sort of taking the model of the tracks at a WordCamp and bringing that into the meetup has worked really well for us. Uh, we in Boston, we've got a, a, a much larger group, but uh, we generally get uh, just under 100 people to show up, and it, it seems to work out that people can split up. Um, there are other places where they'll do separate meetups. So, they'll have a, a developer and a beginner meetup on different nights. Uh, We made the decision not to do that in Boston, mostly because we want to have everyone together, at least for some part of the evening, to have that opportunity to network. Um, But uh, one of the biggest things for us is just leveraging a service like meetup.com to get from people what they're interested in and then start to program around that because you're more likely to draw people in if you're having a speaker in that a lot of people have asked about or it's some new hot topic. So what changed in 3.5 or what's coming in 3.6, things like that. Those are things that you'll draw people out for really any type of audience. But otherwise, it's just recognizing you've got different skill levels. And if you have enough people and enough space being able to do something sort of like a mini WordCamp where you've got a couple, two different tracks, that's been a really great way for us to keep the the meetup group as one solid group in Boston. So I still see people who, if I was going to the developer meetup, I wouldn't see them otherwise. It still keeps that sense of community and helps build that because when the WordCamp comes around, these same people show up at the WordCamp and they. it's not a room full of 100 or 200 or however many uh, new faces, that sort of overwhelming experience, you go into a WordCamp and you say, oh, I saw you at the meetup last month and you know, we've been chatting about this freelance project or whatever it may be. It just helps build that that sense of community. And that's such a huge thing for WordPress in general.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. Um, you, know, you walk into a room, you see... Uh, at JJJ, and you're like, oh, there he is, eating some more food. The Jason Bourne of uh, Automatic is what I like to say. <laughs> he's walking around with a suitcase. He's always got a different look. You never know if he's trying to hide from the FBI. Um, but uh, it's good to build those relationships at at regular meetups and then take it over to the WordCamps. Absolutely. One, one last like curveball question that I, I kind of like to ask folks like you and I who are kind of uh, more in-depth into the community and we kind of know the bigger players for the person who's at the WordCamp trying to network um, trying to get their name known as a developer or designer or small company how does the what's the break the ice kind of method uh, so people don't feel like there's that you know that faction or the cool club of automatic versus the unknown or um, big firm versus freelancer uh, do you feel like there's any sort of that you know div- dividing line down the middle of what I call the cool kids versus the non-cool kids when we go to these these WordCamps? And if so, how do you think we can address that?
1: I think it definitely tends to happen, I, not necessarily intentionally, but there becomes a situation where you go to the group that you are familiar with. So if I'm at a WordCamp and there are a bunch of other automaticians there, I'm going to go say hi to them because I know them. So it, it gets rid of that awkward, I, I don't know anyone in this room sort of uh, situation by flocking to that but that said, uh, I found in a lot of cases just approaching people and just starting up a conversation. Maybe there's uh, someone who wrote a plugin you found really interesting and very useful, or they had a post on their blog that was something you thought was really sort of spot on for whatever the topic was. Just approaching people, talking to them about this, is very rare that someone is going to react in sort of a why are you talking to me? I don't know you kind of situation. My experience has been that just starting up conversation with people about the stuff they're working on, and people will talk because we are we tend to be a very passionate group, very interested in talking about what we're doing. And in a lot of cases, you know we're working from home, we're doing the coffee shop thing. You don't have a lot of time to interact with other people who understand what it is that you're talking about. You can talk to a significant other parent, whoever it might be, but they don't really know what it is that you're doing in most cases. And this is an opportunity to just talk with people who are as passionate about something as you are. So I just that's really been my approach is, you know, that I'll see someone at a at a WordCamp who I've interacted with on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, or who had a really great insight on something, and I'll just you know, walk up to them, thank them for whatever that was, or introduce myself. You know, it's nice to finally meet you in person. Things like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: a lot of the people, freelancers that I interview, are you know self-proclaimed uh, introverts, but then when I inter- when I interview them, they're you know totally fine. When they're at WordCamps, they're they're doing WordCamp talks and they're they're interacting with people. So. um you know, I I think that maybe a lot of folks are just afraid. Um, and when you talk to somebody like uh at Andrea underscore R on Twitter, um, you know, she'll tell you that uh, you know, it's just go right up to folks, start speaking to people. Um, you know, she's leading up part of the, the WordPress community um initiative um that's launching or has launched. Um and it's all about just, you know, trying to I guess overcoming that fear. We're all there to learn uh and better WordPress as a whole. So don't be so afraid to make those connections.
1: Yeah, and that would be, would definitely be my advice because the first WordCamp that I went to, uh, other than WordCamp Boston, it was at WordCamp Philly two years ago now and happened to run into Andrew Nason as I was uh, coming in and we started talking and it was one of those things that in the back of my mind my sort of freaking out like I'm talking to Andrew Nason right now, I should be absolutely terrified. But perfectly normal guy, had a conversation with him for a while, we're you know people have these sort of uh, personalities because they're with the companies they're at and it's part of their business and this is the reputation they've built but by and large we're friendly people you can just come up to us and and chat with anyone and i've talked with so many random people and afterwards not even realized who it was that i was talking to like oh that was kind of cool i've just had a conversation i was I was at a conference in san francisco a couple of weeks ago and ended up having breakfast with ethan marcotte and didn't even realize it like nice. oh this is the guy who coined the responsive design term yep okay didn't even know what was going on perfectly normal guy just had a conversation with him about what he does what i'm doing and that's that's almost always the case. It's yeah. very rarely that someone will react in a way like, "Why are you talking to me?" and go away now. Yeah. Kind of, it's just it's not the kind of people that we are. Yeah. Most of us are introverted in the same way. We're just waiting for someone to come up and say something to us, so that we don't have to try and figure out how to start the conversation. <laughs> right. Off.
0: Um, is there a WordCamp, uh, you know, a phenomenal WordCamp that you recommend folks go to, of course, besides our own hometown Boston uh, WordCamp? <laughs> is there another one that uh, folks should be, be looking at? Uh,
1: so WordCamp Phoenix has been really great in my experience. I was there last year, and I'll be back there again. It's actually this coming weekend. Um, so Phoenix has been really good. Um, had a really great time at Chicago. And the Toronto WordCamps as well, uh, just really haven't been to any. I would say were really terrible. That's the great thing about this: is the community really is interested, and in you get a group of people who come together because it's involved to organize a, a WordCamp. are people who are really interested in it. Yeah. yeah, but Phoenix is definitely one I'm I'm really looking forward to. It's just they have the ability to to program so much content, and it draws in so many people that. You tend to get a lot of really interesting talks, a lot of great people from the community who are there, so it's a good networking opportunity. And they also make it very accessible because they do oh, Excuse me, they do a whole Friday session of intro to WordPress type of courses. So if you don't know much about WordPress, but you want to be able to actually go to the talks on Saturday, it's a great way to get started. So you choose your level. They've got four different levels, and you get a good foundation to then go and sit in people's talks. So that's that's the one I'm definitely excited for this year so far.
0: Nice. Um, Very nice. Very good. So let's wrap up that uh, conversation directly about WordPress. Let's jump into something we call What's in Your Toolbox? Uh, And What's in Your Toolbox is what type of software besides WordPress or or hardware do you use on a daily basis to get you through your workday, your workflow, any kind of glue that a piece of software that glues the automatic team together again, besides WordPress, uh, that you use on a daily basis.
1: Uh, so one of the biggest things for, uh, for us, at, uh, for automatic keeping us in touch is, uh, IRC and then Skype. We do most of our communication is in IRC, um, the non WordPress side of it, at least, um, and it's a, it, just a great way for us to all be online and I can ping people from different teams or just say hi to someone, uh, that sort of thing. So that's really central to our communication is uh, being an IRC. Yes. Um, Skype, to some extent, though, what's nice with IRC is that it's all logged and we have it. So I can point back to a conversation in three months when someone asks this question again. It's like, oh, great, we, wait, we had a really awesome conversation <laughs> about this already. Let me go find that. Nice. Um, so that's, that's a big thing, and that's one of the first things when I uh, get up in the morning. I'm signing in, I'm checking my email, and I'm turning on IRC to see uh, what I missed overnight. Um, for me, in terms of hardware, I'm working on a MacBook Air, and usually from a couch or a coffee shop or just sort of wherever I happen to be. So no external monitor anymore, no fancy keyboard and any of that um, I'm on a MacBook Air, uh, using Sublime for my text editor. Okay. Absolutely love Sublime. Um, and because I'm working a lot now with files on a WordPress.com sandbox, I'm using Forklift to actually interact with that. Because it basically it's a it's an SFTP client that looks like the Finder in OS X. So it's a very comfortable experience, and it deals with when I hit Save in Sublime, it uploads it back up to the server. So and that's pretty uh, pretty key. Um, and then using Adium for instant messaging because I do a lot of debugging via Jabber. You know, we have a way of doing that. So, uh, But that's really the big thing is Sublime and Forklift and IRC and then naturally some browsers. And I'm mostly just in Chrome at this point because they haven't totally screwed up their uh, their browser or their developer tools
0: yet. So, yet. Yep. Awesome. Uh, let's move to the lightning round where I'll ask you a series of questions and you'll have a series of quick answers. Um, the one plugin you cannot live without.
1: Oh, good question. Um, right now, probably domain mapping. I just moved everything into a network site and I've been having fun with that and so domain mapping's been a huge thing for me. Uh, Jetpack is definitely a close runner-up. That's sort of one of those things I have a fondness for because I've contributed to it, but just makes things easy.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. A favorite WordPress or business book?
1: That's one I don't have a good answer for. Okay. Because I haven't actually picked up any WordPress specific books. <laughs> <laughs> A um, few I've heard good things about Brad Williams has a new version of his professional WordPress uh, development, one that uh, that's out. Um, I know Lisa Sabin Wilson's got her uh, dummies guides that I've heard good things about, but nothing that I have any personal experience with. It's
0: okay. all right. Uh, a quote you live or run your business by?
1: Oh... We have this quote on. Uh, I believe it's actually on the Automatic Jobs page. are talking about um, never stop learning. Um, sort of really what drives us at Automatic is that we're just constantly, um, constantly evolving, learning new things, not being stagnant. And let me see. I thought it was up here. Um, maybe it's not. It, at one point, I think was up on our. On our hiring page or something like that, but can't find it offhand. It put me on the spot there, <laughs> it's okay. um, but it's that sort of concept that you know, just don't let don't let things stagnate. Don't get comfortable with where you are because everything feels like it's going really well. Mm. Um, always be pushing yourself because that's how you're going to learn new things and will come across what would be that skill that takes you to sort of the next level in your professional development.
0: Awesome. Uh, Sometimes these two questions bleed into each other, but the best business uh, or career advice you've ever received?
1: Um, I think it was deciding finally to just go after development as a career. Uh, I was talking with my parents at the time and wasn't really sure where I was headed. Um, And they they knew right away that this was something that just the way that my facial expression changed. um, This was something that I was passionate about. And uh, I was talking with Jake Goldman about applying to Automatic, and he said the same thing. Like, your facial expression changes, you light up, you should just go do it. So getting over that fear that I'm not a good enough developer yet to be working at at the almighty Automatic (laughs) and just sort of getting over that was finally what uh, what did it for me.
0: That's great. Uh, What's the longest a client project has taken? that you've seen?
1: Oh, um, so we had a project that, uh, when I was at the agency that had started before I was there and still hadn't launched when I left. Um, that was mostly paralysis on the client side. Um, other than that, we had a, we had a long-term engagement with a client at the agency that went on for over a year. Uh, they were a, a group of people who were really looking to use WordPress as a prototype for the rest of their organization. They were publishing all of these websites and newsletters. So it was a constant evolution and tweaking because until they were ready to really uh, promote it to the rest of the company, there was always one more thing. So it got to the point where we weren't even doing project work for them anymore. We just had them on a retainer because it was so much stuff. And it lasted a year and a half at least. Nice. Great client to work with because they were always willing to try new things so we could (laughs) leverage whatever the new cool stuff in WordPress or web standards were at the time.
0: That's good. That's very good. Uh, if you had to switch to another content management system, which would it be and why?
1: Oh, um, I would probably try my hand at Drupal again. I know it's probably wrong for me to say that, and I'll hear about it later. But when I started freelancing, I was doing some, some work with Drupal. And the thing I like about it, it's got a lot of the same open source concept behind it. It would definitely have to be something open source, because that's really, for me, how I've Uh, gotten as far with WordPress as I have is just being able to get in and dig around in the the insides of it so uh, maybe Drupal maybe there's some other open-source thing coming along but Drupal would be a somewhat logical choice because I have some familiarity with it already
0: I agree I I love Drupal that's where I started got me into the same habits of pinging a community uh, jumping on a forum you know, just trying modules out and seeing what worked, you know, way back in the day. I mean, that's what really got me in, into open source uh, and development. Uh, who should I interview next?
1: Um, you should definitely talk to uh, John James Jacoby. Talk to him about the Buddy Press and BB Press and where things are going with that. I think awesome. that would be a really interesting interview.
0: Yes, he's on my radar.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: If I can just pin him down wherever location he's at. Um,
1: <laughs> yep, that'll uh, be a little bit of a challenge for a while. But yeah, yeah definitely uh, reach out to him. I think he'd be, uh, be good for your audience.
0: Nice. Uh, what's the one question I didn't ask that I should have?
1: I don't know. you pretty well covered things. You've definitely got this, uh, this down. You tell you've been doing this for a little while. Yeah, a
0: little bit. <laughs> awesome. Um so everyone, we want to go and say thanks to Eric Hitter for doing this interview. Eric, where can they find you on the web to go and say hi?
1: I am ET Hitter on basically everything. So ET Hitter on Twitter, ETHitter.com. It's pretty much if there's a service you can sign up for username, that's where you'll find me.
0: Awesome. Um uh, anything you want to plug? Any new plugins coming out? Anything cool that you're working on that you want to announce?
1: Um uh, Going to be speaking at WordCamp Phoenix this weekend, doing a new talk, right. uh, walking through how WordPress takes the URL and actually uh, goes through its whole process to load and get you a query and get you content. So I'm excited about that. i uh, going to be doing that on Saturday at some point. So, so if Very you cool. happen to be in Phoenix, come on by in the afternoon. I'll be uh, doing a new talk.
0: A little bit warmer weather, although it's 55 today or something like that, which is crazy <laughs> for January.
1: Yeah, I've been in shorts and sandals for the last couple of days because it's been so unseasonably warm and just gearing myself up for the Phoenix trip, really. Yeah,
0: great. All right, everyone, go say thank you to Eric on the web, on Twitter. Go check out all of his awesome plugins. Check out Automatic if you don't already know who they are. Um, And to stay in touch uh, with awesome interviews, go to mattreport.com slash subscribe and you'll be the first to know when a great new interview comes out to help you learn and get better yourself at your WordPress business.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt.